A friend of mine several years ago confided in me, and he said, Roger, I just am angry all the time. And he didn't understand what was going on. And we talked about it a bit, and, and we said, yeah, it, it, there does seem to be a lot more anger just in the atmosphere today. Interesting, back in January, Esquire magazine did a poll of Americans, 3,000. And their first paragraph in all bold capitals said this, We the people are mad. The body politic is burning up. And the anger that courses through our headlines and our news feeds about injustice and inequity, about marginalization and disenfranchisement, about what they are doing to us, shows no sign of abating. Not a very optimistic diagnosis there, was it? Not a hopeful picture for the public mood that we see in our country today. The rest of the article goes on to describe what they surveyed, some of the questions. What it was that made Americans the angriest. One of the more interesting statistics was just how often people are angry. The survey said that half of all Americans are angrier today than they were a year ago. And they tend to view life through a veil of disappointment. I think that might also be what is sometimes called the victimization of America. Everybody feels like they're the ones that have gotten the raw end of the deal. The first question of the survey was about how often do you hear or read something in the news that makes you angry? Well, the top three responses were 37% was once a day they got angry, 31% a few times a day, and then 20% once a week. In total, 88% of all Americans are angry at least once a week. The question for me is, does this adversarial approach of the media drive or merely echo the confrontational climate of our nation today? I'm afraid it's the latter. The news media is just picking on up on what's already there because it pushes their ratings up and makes them higher. They're just an animal, in a sense, acting by instinct. But 13 years ago, Ronald uh, Kamehan wrote prophetically this. At the beginning of the 21st century, reasoned discourse is imperiled. Reasoned discourse is increasingly giving way to in-your-face soundbites. Hardball is the dominant metaphor for American political life, or public life. Our interchanges are confrontational, divisive, and dismissive. Truth is not something we expect to emerge from a conversation. It is something we hope to impose. Balance and fairness are casualties on the evening shows, as two, three, sometimes four voices contend simultaneously for dominance. Volume and intransigence are the new civic virtues. Not a pretty picture. Do you think the Esquire article and Kamehameha's statements are accurate? Are Americans angrier than they used to be? I would have to say yes, they are. 
But in the midst of all this, we as Christians, especially we as Christian men, and as you know, we're uh, doing this series on men. Uh, we're not going to sing this song today, but notice the, the words. Rise up, O men of God, have done with what? Lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the king of kings. I would classify the violent, angry nature of our culture to be the lesser things that we should be having done with and moving on. If we're going to be uh, the men of God, um, he can use us, but only if we are willing to be used by him. Today we're going to be looking at the contrast to this angry, violent vein that is coming out in our culture. And balancing that, contrasting that with gentleness. The gentleness that Christ perceives and the gentleness that Christ wants to see modeled in his men. Men who are going to be used by God. Now men, would you agree with me that we are to imitate our Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that we might have eternal life. We need to consider him. We need to consider his life, how he lived. We need to follow him. Do you agree? If you do, say amen. Thank you. Just want to make, make sure you're awake. <laughs> okay. Um, so we need to follow him. And since this is so, then we need to really understand the importance and look at how he lived. How did he live? Well, thank the Lord. We have scripture that tells us how he lived and what he believed through his teachings. Matthew 11 is one of those. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is gentle and humble in heart. What a contrast to what we see today from our leaders. Paul understood that a gentle spirit is part of the calling of Christ. And you see this in the book of Ephesians. There he is uh, writing uh, about how they should live uh, with each other and with others. And there in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he says, as a prisoner, he wrote this from prison himself, but I think he alludes to this, to we are, in a sense, prisoners to Christ. But as a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. As Paul in our reading this morning was laying out the characteristics of the leaders of his church, gentleness is one of the prominent things that he listed. Listen again, verses 1 through 3. Here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. 
I think we can see the value of these qualities in our leaders. We want leaders like that. But notice that he ties these qualities directly to the example and character of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's continue in verse, reading in verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. He links this to what has gone on before. This is what you're supposed to be looking for because this is what we saw in Jesus Christ. In his earthly example, as he sojourned as the Son of Man here upon the earth. These traits are not reserved for preachers or elders or teachers or men, sisters. Uh, that's for, for all of us. Every Christian is charged to be gentle in spirit because we are following the Lord's example in everything. Now, I will make a side note here and say, yes, we see from Jesus in his life those times when he becomes righteously indignant and takes that whip and cleans out the money changers from the temple. But the majority of what we see in Christ is that gentleness. Even towards those who were his enemies, he was gentle. That's the overall thing that we should follow in him. Because our world has enough evil, has enough violence. We don't need to add more to it from the Christian perspective. The forces of evil are arrayed against us. In my prayer at the beginning of the service, I alluded to the fact that we are all soldiers of the cross. Uh, if we're soldiers of the cross, what does that mean? There's another army out there. The army of evil. And there is a spiritual battle going on. And we have to prepare ourselves. We have to work. But we have to use the weapons that the Lord has given us, not the weapons that the other army is using. We don't fight fire with fire in spiritual warfare. In spiritual warfare, we use the weapons that the Lord has given to us. And go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Read about the spiritual armor. I want, you know, make sure you understand that because that's how we survive day in and day out. We have to instead, uh, we, have to, we have to remember that so that we do not bring in with us into the Christian walk those weapons that we had when we were in the world. Those weapons are not ours to use anymore. We have to strive to be like Christ and not slip back into the slavery of sinful desires and evil that we were caught in before we came into Christ. But gentleness is not one of the values that are, I'm not going to say important in our culture. I think people, even, even in our fallen world, we see the value of a man who is gentle but strong. We see that. But sometimes, unfortunately, our culture says gentleness is a sign of weakness. And we are tempted to try to be more forceful when we need to stick with the weapons God has given us and be gentle, not forcing our position on other people. Because if we join in with the general divisiveness that's going on in our culture today, then the result will do something to us. Just what it's doing to our culture today. What is it all this doing to our culture today? Tearing it apart. We are no longer as united as we once were. 
And there's a lot of different reasons for that. But being unkind, being forceful, being violent is not the answer. Instead, we need to be gentle. You know, Rod Kameyan noted that, that noted that he made about hardball. You know, hardball is the dominant metaphor for American public life. You know, if any of you ever played hardball, you know why it's called hardball once the ball hits you once, right? It, it hurts. Um, but, you know, you also know that occasionally on a baseball field, what also breaks out? A fight. <laughs> is that good sportsmanship when the fights break out? No. And unfortunately, our culture has thought that, you know, we can break out in a hardball fight if that's what will get our way. If we have to cheat, if we have to bully, if we have to force our way through life, then that's just what we have to do. Don't show any weakness. Because if you show any weakness, well, then they're going to eat you up. We live by the steel rule in our culture today, not the golden rule. Do you know what the steel rule is? The steel rule is do unto others before they do it to you. You know, we know Christ. And we know that Christ doesn't live by that rule. We know that Christ doesn't need to. We know that through our weakness, Christ can still shine and be strong. But more on that next week. In any case, the Bible is clear that a gentle response is the response we need to have. And it's always the better response. It's even more powerful than violence. Let's look at a few scriptures. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of a fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. You remember the children's rhyme, sticks and stones? may break my, but words will. That's a lie. False, not true. Words are powerful. But gentle words are powerful too. Those hateful ones are powerful, but gentle words are also powerful. Why? Because they have the potential to give life. Even break bone. You know, I've seen people who have taken someone who is enraged and through Soft, gentle, reasoned words taken away that rage and broken them down. Our words are powerful. Therefore, we need to choose them. We need to choose the way that we go. Men, as, as spiritual leaders of God's church, we are to aspire to that higher standard that God has set. Now, realizing that on our own, we're not going to make it there. But we're not on our own, are we? We have Jesus Christ living within us through the Spirit. We don't have to reach the standard on our own. Christ helps us make it there. And even when we fall, even when we blow it and slip back into our old habits, His grace is there to lift us up and help us continue on in the fight. So today, men, I want to encourage you 
to be truly gentle in spirit. As you live with your families, as you work with your co-workers, as you talk and, and interact with your neighbors, be gentle in spirit. Because this is the example the Lord has given to us. And we need to follow his example. His example that is a hard one to follow in some ways, but is possible. In Ephesians, I mean, excuse me, in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, we read that as he who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are his representatives, men and women. We have to be willing to show that gentle spirit because otherwise our community, our world, will be torn apart. That's Satan's ideal. God has a stronger ideal. And it'll be worked, his will will be worked in this world if we will dedicate ourselves to doing it. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the blessings that we have through him. Father, we're thankful that when we look at Jesus, we see a man, a man who was both passionate but also gentle, a man who sought out the weak, the poor, the sick, the diseased, and with a gentle hand healed them. Father, we pray that we may show that same gentleness with all those we come in contact with. Lord God, as your men, we confess that at times we lose our temper. We, we give in to the temptations that are around us. Forgive us, Lord. Draw us back to you and help us to keep before us your Son ever in our eyes. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today, the Lord gives us an opportunity. An opportunity to no longer be trapped by sin, to no longer be enslaved by it, but to rise above it. We rise above it not through our own power, but through the power of Jesus Christ, through his death for our sins on the cross, through his burial, and then his resurrection. His resurrection is how we live in this life day to day when we follow him to the grave. We do that through baptism where by faith we believe Jesus is the Son of God. We confess him as such. Then we obey his command to be buried symbolically in water. Then we raise again, are raised again, not through our own power, but through the power of Jesus Christ. And it's in his life that we then live day by day as resurrected sons and daughters of God. If you are here today and you don't know Christ and want to take him on as your Savior, the water's ready. The Lord is ready. The Lord is eager. If you're here today and you're struggling in your walk with Christ, we want to be here for you as well. If you'd like to come forward uh, for prayer or if that isn't a possibility, feel comfortable with that, look us up afterwards. Talk with us. Um, we are a family of God, and we are always available for you. So whatever your need is today, whether to put the Lord on as your Savior in baptism or to ask for prayers of the church, won't you come? now as we stand and as we sing.